minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
days are coming. There will be anger in the world. There will be anger in the world. But the hunger will not be for bread, and the thirst will not be for water. <laughs> The hunger will not be for bread And the thirst will not be for water But to hear the word Kim Lishmoya
the supermarket and I'll pick up to eat. <laughs> then I'll take the subway to the Long Island Railroad and I'll take the train. Oh, Mama, Please, darling, to... it's only an hour and a half to the bus. <laughs> and then I'll take the bus and from where the bus stops, I'll walk the 14 blocks of your house. And for you, darling, I'll put the children to bed and for you, I'll change the sheets and I'll give them an aspirin. So they shouldn't yell and I'll clean up the house and I'll cook something nice for the 20 ladies. They'll love it. Just don't worry, darling. Everything will be okay. Isn't that what a mother is for? Oh, Mama. Thank you. I feel so much better. By the way, sweetheart, if it's snowing and the car wouldn't start this morning, how did Sam get to work? Sam? What's Sam? Sam, your husband. My husband's name is Paul. Is this Tremont 7116? No, this is Tremont 71177. Does that mean you're not coming? <laughs> <laughs> Always try to sneak that into hour number one when there's snow on the ground. And uh, this morning, there is snow on the ground, believe it or not. Yes, yes, yes. Who doesn't love a great snowstorm? Well, apparently at some point between uh, 10 p.m. and now, uh, in this area, it looks like an inch of snow. In fact, it might even still be coming down as snow in this area. Yeah, it is still coming down as snow in this area. In New York, it was a bit less. Uh, maybe I'd call it more closer to a trace, but um, there is snow on the ground. Be careful, and not just driving. It's very dangerous walking as well. You know, it's that whole mix, wet ground, a little bit of snow, all that stuff. So please be extra careful as you walk around on this Friday morning. It is a Friday on this March 4th, the 24th day in the month of Adar 1, the year 5776, Tavshinai and Vav. You heard Ben Sion Solomon with Lachad Odim. Imkomcho is from Azumin. Yehuda Green and Days Are Coming. Curry Bone. You heard Shlomo Katz and before that Mordechai Ben David's. Moshav Band had the only one in Regesh. Modani opening things up as we say good morning. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayakel. Also Erev Shabbos Shkalim. So two Torahs tomorrow. Candle lighting time at 531 on this Erev Shabbos. 5.31, your official candle lighting time. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet will be Thursday and Friday of next week. That's right, the first Thursday and Friday of Fundraising Marathon 2016 will be Rosh Chodesh morning. Uh, Thursday and Friday. So keep that in mind, and uh, also keep in mind that it is, in fact, Fundraising Marathon 2016 starting on Monday. And we're going to ask everybody to be as generous as possible and keep us going here at this great radio station for at least another year. We will do that uh, coming up Monday starting at 6 a.m. And I have a feeling I know what the first half hour of the marathon is going to sound like. I have a feeling I already know because of some of the uh, 
some of the changes that have happened over the last few months. So we'll talk about that uh, on Monday and uh, kick things off for the big fundraising marathon. And I thank everybody who's been working so hard to already make it a great success. 32 degrees outside with 84% humidity. Winds in northeast at 11 miles per hour. Morning snow showers with a high temperature of 40. Then tonight, clear skies, a low of 30 degrees. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy. A high temperature Shabbos, 43 degrees. Yerushalayim now is at 58. We're at 32 as we watch some snow come down here in Jersey City and say good morning from all of us here at JM in the AM. And the Malcolm Honeline will join us about an hour from now. The weekly update. We'll take a look at the uh, events of this week and some of the news items that are of uh, import to the Jewish world. We'll do that coming up at about 7.40 this morning here at JM in the AM. Or by Uden, of course, at 8.15 with the Torah portion, or I should say portions, as we have uh, both Vayakel and Shkullam this week. Uh, Rabbi Yudin will discuss all of that coming up at about 8.15 this morning. And we'll wrap things up at 9 o'clock. At that time, Naomi Nachman takes over on jmnam.org and on the NSN app with a uh, <clears throat> another amazing edition of Table for Two. And um, after that, Kedem presents our incredible Erev Shabbos music mix. So you have a lot, and I mean a lot, uh, being offered for you this morning and all through the day. Uh, when it comes to a phenomenal, great programming, uh, courtesy of us here at JM in the AM and JM in the AM.org. Oh, yes. Oh, Table for Two with Naomi at 9 o'clock will feature Tamar Genger, executive editor of joyofkosher.com, Yassi Mutterpearl of Southside Sandwich Shop, and the restaurant guy, Elon Kornblum, one of our favorites. That's going to be happening uh, between 9 and 10 o'clock this morning. Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, again with that list of guests. Make sure to be tuned in. She always does a great show. JM in the AM at uh, 19 minutes before 7 o'clock. We say good morning from 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org, and, of course, on the NSN app.
J.M. in the A.M. Achenu, done by Shwebel, Sharf, and Levine, that classic off of their Pintala Yid CD. Wow, that goes back a while, doesn't it? Unbelievable. That does go back a while. Uh, before that, yeah, we got classics. That's right. We got the uh, most up-to-date music, and we got classics always rolling here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, you heard Eighth Day. It's Shabbos now off of Chasing Prophecy. David Gabe's Mona. Uh, from his Akola Tova CD, and you heard Akola Ducha done by Diaspora off of the Diaspora collection. That is another classic for you here at JM and AM. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayakel and Shgalim. Candle lighting at 531. We'll take out two Torahs tomorrow. Uh, Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet is Thursday and Friday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet is a Thursday and Friday. And, um, We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow and um, a two-day Rosh Chodesh coming up during week one of our fundraising marathon. Fundraising marathon 2016 begins on Monday. No joke, fundraising marathon 2016 begins on Monday. You have an opportunity, a unique and incredible opportunity to keep great Jewish radio going by supporting WFMU. It's Galei Tzal in the background. Uh, by supporting Great Jewish Radio and by joining us starting Monday morning at 6 a.m. for the incredible fundraising marathon, which will be 10 days of community-minded unity, bringing everyone together with one great cause in mind, and that's JM in the AM and WFMU. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Reminder, just played Eighth Day for you before. Eighth Day and Avram Rosenblum and Rogers Park and Ruby Harris and Yaron Gershevsky. They're all together Sunday night for Soul to Soul in uh, Crown Heights at the Brooklyn School of Music on Claussen Avenue starting at 7 p.m. Information, go to jewishtickets.com. Tickets are available there. Again, it's jewishtickets.com for information. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMNF. Galitzal, שלוש תאונות טיסה שהסתיימו בפציעות בלבד בדרום ובשרון. כתבנו רמי שני. סמוך לקיבוץ ילדים חולצו טייס ונוסע שנפלו למאגר מים עם טרקטורון מרחף. הערכה היא שהם נפלו בשל כשל במיתרי המצנח. הם פונו במצב בינוני לבית חולים באמצעות מסוק. טייס אחר התרסק עם כלי דומה בחוף הקשתות באשדוד, ופונה במצב בינוני לבית החולים ברזילי באשקלון. טייס אולטרלייט התרסק עם כלי הטייס שלו ליד מושב בני ציון בשרון, הוא הצליח להיחלץ בלא פגע. מנהיגי רוסיה, צרפת, גרמניה, בריטניה ואיטליה קיימו היום שיחת ועידה על המשבר בסוריה, כשברקע מתרבות הפרות הסכם הפסקת הלחימה. היום דווח כי מטוסי קרב תקפו מטרות צפונית לדמשק, לראשונה מאז נכנסה לתוקפה הפסקת האש לפני כשבוע. על פי הדיווח לא היו נפגעים. ארגון סורי לזכויות אדם שמושבו בבריטניה מסר כי לא ברור מי עומד מאחורי ההפצצה. בטורקיה נגזר עונש מאסר על מפעילי ספינה שהבריחו פליטים סורים בהם הפעות שמת במסע ותמונתו זעזעה את העולם. קרן בן מרדכי. על השניים נגזר עונש מאסר של ארבע שנים בגין תביעתם של חמישה בני אדם בהם הפעות הסורי איילנד כורדי שתמונת גופתו שנשטפה אל החוף בדרום מערב טורקיה עוררה סערה ברחבי העולם. 
עם זאת, השניים זוכו מגרימת מוות ברשלנות והזנחה מודעת. איילן, יחד עם אמו ואחיו, ניסו להגיע ליוון בסירת מהגרים, כתבו בדרכם בים התיכון. נשיא ברזיל לשעבר, לולה דה סילבה, נעצר לפני זמן קצר בחשד שהיה מעורב בפרשת שחיתות והלבנת הון. מוקדם יותר פשטה המשטרה על ביתו של דה סילבה וחיפשה ראיות לעבירות שבוצעו בחברת נפט ממשלתית. ארגון הבריאות העולמי אומר כי מתחזקות העדויות לקשר בין נגיף הזיקה לבין היווצרותם של מומים מולדים בתינוקות. לדברי בכיר בארגון, מחקר חדש של המרכז האמריקני למניעת מחלות הוסיף ראיות נוספות לקשר האפשרי בין המחלות שעורר בהלה בדרום אמריקה. על פי גורמים, גורמי בריאות בינלאומיים, אימהות שנדבקו בנגיף הזיקה בעת הריונן ילדו תינוקות עם ראש קטן מהרגיל ומוח שאינו מפותח דיו. נציבות זכויות האדם של האו"ם אומרת כי אם תציית חברת אפל לדרישת הבולשת האמריקנית לפרוץ למכשירים של חשודים, תיפתח תיבת פנדורה. שירה הדס נקר. בחודש שעבר התבקשה אפל לכתוב מערכת הפעלה חדשה ומוחלשת שבעזרתה יוכלו כוחות הביטחון האמריקניים לחדור ממכשירו של הרוצח במתקפת הטרור בסן ברנרדינו. בנציבות זכויות האדם באו"ם אמרו כי הצלחה של השלטונות בארצות הברית נגד אפל תקבע תקדים שלא יאפשר לה ולאף חברה אחרת להגן על הפרטיות של משתמשיה ברחבי העולם. ולסיום התחזית מחר תורגש התחממות ויהיה נאה בתחילת השבוע הבא עוד עלייה בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שערך עמרי רחמימוב בצוות שילה פריד ואסף אזולאי.
dress the nation ranks Seen them all turn around Just like you I hold my ground But I stand quiet, I stand still Like a rock throughout the ages I'm just a stone from your home I'm Jerusalem stone And I waited all this time For you in this land of mine And I waited through the ugliness and grind See you in this land of mine Whoa, 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 whoa Whoa, 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 whoa. I've seen you night, I've seen you day I've seen you fight, I've seen you walk away Soon your lights will be glowing Your milk and honey flowing But I stand quiet, I stand still Like a rock throughout the ages I'm just a stone from your home I'm Jerusalem They got a big show Sunday night. They'll be part of the Soul to Soul lineup. Eighth Day and Ivan Rosenblum and Rogers Park and Ruby Harris, Yaron Yershevsky. They're all together Sunday night. 
at the Brooklyn School of Music on Clawson Avenue in uh, Crown Heights. Starts at 7 p.m. Soul2Soul.org, or you could uh, go to JewishTickets.com, purchase tickets there. Uh, should be a good show that Sunday night. Enjoy. Hey, uh, tomorrow night it's the uh, Mayanot uh, Yeshiva High School dinner. Saturday night, March 5th, the 20th anniversary dinner for Mayanot Yeshiva High School for Girls is in memory of Aaron Lichtenstein. Mazal tov to all the honorees, Ria and Tim Levard, Chumi and Rabbi Mark Gottlieb, Shara and Doug Dubitsky, and Dr. Julie Goldstein. Mazal tov to all the honorees as they get ready for the uh, big dinner tomorrow night. That's happening at the um, Congregation Keter Torah in Teaneck for Mayanot Yeshiva High School for Girls. Best regards to our friends at Mayanot. Pesach without the pressure. The Beaker Cholom Chesed organization presents the organizing doc, Dr. Ronit Zweig, an extraordinary women's event where you can learn how to organize your home and put Seder in your Seder. <laughs> you can overcome procrastination. You could learn time management, establish priorities, reduce stress. It's all happening Monday, this coming Monday, March 7th, beginning at 7.30 p.m. at the Borough Park Center, 4915 10th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Phone number 718-438-2020, 718-438-2020. And a reminder, the Mothers of Multiple Support Group presents speech and language tips with Rifka Alfi, a professional speech therapist. Speech and language tips for the already busy mom. Mothers of Multiple Support Group meets this coming Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at Maimonides Hall on 49th Street between 9th and 10th Avenues in Brooklyn, New York. There will be a light buffet dinner served, free parking, free gift for all attendees. There will be makeup available for sale uh, since Rifka is also a makeup artist. And it's all Tuesday night at 8 p.m. for Mothers of Multiples. You know how highly we think of this group. Take advantage and uh, enjoy the... Um, Enjoy the um, uh, presentation this coming Tuesday night. Mothers of Multiples information, you speak to Mati Atlas, M-A-T-T-I dot Atlas at Yahoo.com, M-A-T-T-I dot Atlas at Yahoo.com for any information you need. More coming up. This is JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM. Smechim done by Yaakov Shweki. Off of the uh, CD Colos here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas by Yakel. Also Shabbos Shkullin with candlelighting time at 5.31 on this era of Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet will be Thursday and Friday of next week. Fundraising Marathon 2016 begins Monday. But Sunday's a big day for us because we're going to be uh, webcasting from the Big Nefesh Benefesh Mega Event. The mega event at the Times Square Crown Plaza this coming Sunday. And you are all invited to take part. You are all encouraged to take part. And anybody out there who's ever considered, even if it might be years from now, who's ever considered Israel as an option for their family, should try to be at the mega event this coming Sunday. Mark Rosenberg's going to be there. In fact, Mark Rosenberg has just landed, literally, in the New York area in advance of the mega event on Sundays, director of Pre Aliyah, of course, over at Nefesh Benefesh, been a guest of ours before. Mark Rosenberg, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, good morning, Yunachim, good morning, New York. How uh, does it feel? I um, I don't want to share with you all the things that my friends from Israel say when they land in New York. <laughs> some of the, some of them are somewhat derogatory about this local area. <laughs> but how does it feel for you to come in in advance of the mega event? Um, it's great. I'm actually very cold. Uh, the snow was a little bit of a surprise. I was on my bicycle yesterday in short sleeves, uh, coming <laughs> home from work. So this, the first shock for me is just, uh, is, uh, is the temperature here. <laughs> Why well, don't remember it from the old days? <laughs> I know, you know, 14 years in Israel, I think I lost my, my Jersey toughness a little bit. I definitely got used to uh, the Mediterranean weather. I'll are tell you, you that for sure. Are you there already 14 years? That's unbelievable. It's hard to say, but it is. a blessed to be there 14 years. Do you have, I don't even know if you have this because obviously we've just been on a flight and, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure, you know, if it's your department, but do, do we know at this point how many people have pre-registered for Sunday's event? Yes, I just got the email. Actually, one of the first things they did open my phone is, as everyone does now, they land, open their phones. Um, it just topped over 1,200 in New York, um, which is actually a huge, a blessing and challenge for us. Um, and last year, when we had it registered about 1,100, um, and we were like, "What are we going to do next year?" We actually are staggering. This, this year, we're staggering our start, so we have different times. Specifically, if you're empty nesters and retirees, we're starting around 10, 10:30, and we're having families and other people come around noon to start, and we have a special young professionals. Um, in the in the afternoon, so we want to try and spread out because we actually have a challenge that the Crown Plaza does not have enough space to answer everyone's Aliyah questions. It's unbelievable, and uh, I, I mentioned uh, we discussed this rather um, with Rabbi Fast earlier in the week, and um, and that is that, and I'd love your take on it, and that is that um, it, it seems it seems when there are challenging times, and you've been through this before, you've seen Aliyah in the middle of wars, frankly. It seems that there's nothing that stops people, collectively, our community, from pursuing their Aliyah dream if they have an Aliyah dream. And we know that these are still challenging times, and the news from Israel, especially the way it's reported in the media here, is not always the nicest news. And yet, I assume this is your largest registration ever. Yes, it is. Um, I think there's definitely a factor for some people who come because uh, there's a sense of solidarity, a stand-with-us mentality, or maybe more to the partial of Machatita Sheko, that they want to say that they're part of that other half of the coin that's in Israel. Um, and I think that there's also this uh, other desire for people. You can get a lot of information online these days. We have actually lots of Skype meetings. and Our phones, our phones send, call center works 9 to 5 East Coast hours. 
But I think that some people also have that desire to really sit face-to-face with other people or be in a room with uh, hundreds of other people who uh, have this uh, zika, this, this connection to Israel, and they want to uh, see how they can strengthen that and maybe even fulfill that dream. Yeah, there's a lot of collective dreaming going on in that room, huh? A lot of collective, yeah. and not just dreaming, because of you guys, it becomes really practical, you know, co- collective practical, uh, you know, action to take in order to get one's family to Israel. Mark Rosenberg is with us, pre-Aliyah department, uh, he's the director, uh, and the mega event happens at the Times Square, Crown Plaza, New York City, this coming Sunday, we will be there, I hope all of you will be there, although, at this point, I don't know if Mark would agree with that, because the registration is basically topped off already at over 1,200 people, which is pretty oh, amazing. People should come. I say we'll guarantee good weather inside as well. So uh, if the snow continues and the coldness, but you'll, you'll, feel, you'll see warm and, and fun people that really want to share the energy um, and that, that special feeling that, that you have when you're in Israel, that, that sense of warmth and uh, maybe people being a little bit um, into your business. So that's the type of crowd that will be in there because they really want to share this idea with other people. Well, I'm just concerned that you have uh, enough room for everybody. But if you're encouraging it, that's fine with me. Then uh, let everybody come down and enjoy. The, um, you know, you're, you're, you're pre-Aliyah and you, uh, and you hear uh, what people have to say about heading to Israel and their cares, their concerns, their, you know, their biggest issues. Uh, I mean, obviously, education is, is has got to be, you know, among the top issues when families are moving. Uh, are are you surprised knowing how difficult the transition it could be for elementary and high school children? Are you surprised how collectively or on the on the whole, the people who have made Aliyah with Nefesh Benefesh, the majority of them have seen their children adjust really well? Yeah, I'll say two things to that. One is that uh, it's important to have great expectations but honest expectations, and I think that Nefesh Benefesh has always worked to make sure that people know what they're getting involved into, especially registering their kids for schools and, and what's involved. So I think if you already know um, what the schools are going to be like, and we work very hard to translate um, b- um, bios and descriptions of the schools and, and meet with people so they're, they're matched up. And I think that, that's point number one. And point number two is that we, we, we at our office talk about the miracle of Hanukkah, that you, most families make Aliyah in July and August, and they register their kids for school, and they go in and they start in September. Um, and by Hanukkah time, their kids are actually speaking Hebrew. Right. Um, they're, they're actually understanding, which begs the question, why don't people just make Aliyah at Hanukkah? Right. Um, <laughs> and I think that um, it just, it's, it's amazing to see them to adapting. A lot of parents just worry about their kids. Um, but kids are really adaptable, and that's why we like to consult with people and make sure that they actually fit that profile and they, and they, they meet the schools that they're going to be successful in. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, and, and there are other concerns, obviously. I mean, employment, and we spoke with Rachel Berger earlier in the week, and I'm sure we'll see her on yep. Sunday. You know, she's the director of employment, and people wonder about job availability. And uh, it, it is incredible, and, and I've mentioned this to a lot of people since we had this discussion earlier in the week on the air. It is incredible that those who are in the medical field um, are going to be addressed separately this Sunday. It's such a big category. There's so many job offerings now in Israel uh, in that field that, that you need a separate you know, effort on Sunday to address all those needs. That was never the case. They would never speak to people before they actually got to Israel. And as we know, the number of jobs were never like it is now. Yeah, and I think it's totally true. Um, it's a big realization that they're actually not only making it easier for people to transfer their licenses, but they're allowing them to start that process 
um, even before they arrive in Israel, which actually shortens the time that they'll be able to collect the paycheck. And I think it's really important. I guess one of the things I really wanted to share with you, Nachman, and the listeners, is that uh, the importance of coming to this event is for people is to not just make it, make it a Shabbos table conversation. I know that when I'm here and I'll be with, I'll be with my, uh, my family in New Rochelle and I have, I have family in Teaneck, and whenever we're there, people talk about this question about, oh, what jobs would I get and what would I really do? But it is amazing that people are finding jobs, sometimes even finding jobs and connecting before they get to Israel. But to not just make it a, a conversation among friends, but to speak to the professionals. And you might be able to set, decide, what, wow, this is really something that I could feel fulfilled in doing and actually also um, thrive in the place that I've always dreamed about living. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, it's uh, how, how this became so much more of a reality because of the work of Nefesh Benefesh is just amazing. Uh, any other details that we need to know about Sunday? I know that if you go to the uh, website at nbn.org.il, anybody who wants to be there Sunday can pre-register. Uh, once they're there, any words of advice for people? Um, yeah, so my, my advice to people is um, uh, bring your energy and bring your questions. We have a lot of people coming, not just from our staff, to answer your questions, but there are a lot of professionals, uh, whether accountants or financial advisors, um, some people who have um, uh, attorneys about real estate. So if you have questions that you, you normally might have to pay for an answer to or get a consultation, there will be experts there that will be able to give you some time to address it. Um, I think that a fear of the unknown, if you want to ask what's the biggest obstacle to Aliyah, because I know that uh, the, you know, the, the Jewish heart beats with, uh, with uh, the sounds of Zion and uh, it's, the, it's the heart of our people, um, but if the fear of the unknown is what I think holds a lot of people back. So if you really um, can sit down with your spouse or think, reflect yourself, what are those biggest obstacles? Um, coming out is a great opportunity to speak to specific experts that will be able to give you resources to hopefully overcome it, but at least address them and give you uh, action steps forward. Well, wow, unbelievable. And, and, the, and how about a word? Mark Rosenberg with us, pre-Aliyah, Nefesh Benefesh, the mega event this Sunday. How about a word in New York City? How about a word about... Um, those who are, you know, thinking more down the road, who, you know, see it, see it as a possibility, maybe as a five-year plan, maybe as a, again, still on that dream stage more than a practical stage. What would you say to them about walking in on Sunday? Um, I think it's really, uh, first of all, it's a, it's a great, it's a great um, if you have never been, um, it's a great statement to come. It's a great moment to really feel uh, the energy and see like-minded people and, and to speak to them. Um, whether they're coming in two years, four years, or beyond, is about w- what they're going through. I think a lot of people not only just talk to the experts, but they talk to the people they're sitting next to in the sessions. Um, and I think it's really important because if you, I, I, I think, you know, I, I was thinking about this on the plane, the, the dreams I had, you know, the dreams I had as a kid when I was talking about, oh, what, what careers am I going to do? What do I want to be when I grow up? I'm still trying to figure out that, what I, what I want to be. <laughs> but I think when you think about those dreams is that, you know, Let's, let's, let's take away the regrets. Um, let's, let's actually see if there's something that can really be done to make that step forward. And if there is, um, you, can, you, can learn, you can learn something now that might put you on a course that you can achieve that in five or six years. If you have, oh, this is the most common case we have, it's like, you know, my youngest kid is just starting high school, so we're here for at least another four years. So there's something that you might be able to learn at, this, uh, learn at these sessions that will prepare you professionally um, or financially to be ready to have an easier transition in four or five years. And the second question I always get is, oh, I, you know, we want to invest in Israel. It's like, well, if you want to invest in Israel because you want to live there, then you have to start thinking about what community you want to be, and therefore you can come to our community sessions or meet with other people who are, who are sharing building projects that are happening there or new initiatives for Olim that are coming to different places, uh, whether it's to the north or the south. 
um, and you can, you can make those those small steps forward that will get you you get get your uh, dream plans actually to become something that you'll be able to actually live out every day. It is amazing. That's a good message, by the way, for the uh, retirees as well, right? No regrets. Now is the time to move forward, and uh, and there's still and and they are they, they'll never re- realize how welcome they are in Israel until they get there. So that's that was not, that was that, that's actually my message to the to the, the, the younger families, the people, my my friends out there now with one or two kids um, who are just starting uh, a school is that the empty nesters are one of our largest growing populations. We don't want to call them retirees because some of them are still planning to work. Right. But they finally were able to, they, they got sidetracked or, you know, obviously Nefesh, Nefesh wasn't there 20 years ago when they started their family. Um, so if you are building your career and you're saying, hmm, this is what I would do, and you're worried about tuition or you're worried about your quality of life because of the, the, the principles that you're making, you're making Torah and Judaism the centerpiece of your life, and it's, it's, it's difficult when you, when you have all the other added costs to, to living here, um, there are things that you can do to make sure that you're not going to have those regrets or have to wait till your youngest is graduating from high school. Yeah. All right, Mark, always great speaking to you. Mark Rosenberg has just landed in New York. He's going to spend a Shabbat in Chutzlaretz, and then he's going to be heading on Sunday to the mega event and hopes to greet all of us there on Sunday at the Crown Plaza in New York City. Uh, the Nefesh Benefesh Mega Event information is available online, nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il. Director of Pre-Aliyah for Nefesh Benefesh, Mark Rosenberg. Mark, thank you. We'll see you on Sunday. Bezrat Hashem. Shabbat Shalom. See you on Sunday. There he is. Boy, oh boy. A lot to think about, that's for sure. A lot to think about. JM and AM Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayakil. Also, Erev Shabbos Parsha Shkullim with candle lighting time at 531 on this Erev Shabbos, 5.31. Obench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet is um, Thursday and Friday of next week. Fundraising Marathon 2016 begins on Monday. Make sure to join us starting Monday morning at 6 a.m. for our big two-week fundraiser here at JM in the AM. And again, Rosh Chodesh will be a week from today, Thursday and Friday of next week. Baruch Levine is brand new, and this is JM in the AM.
מנוחה ושמחה, אור ליהודים. יום שבתון, יום מחמדים, שומרה וזוכריו, הם המעידים. גילשיש הכל ברואים ועומדים. שמי שמיים ארץ וימים, כל צבאם ארום גבוהים ורמים, תמים ואדם וחיית רמים, כי בישם צורון עמים, הוא אשר דיבר לעושי גולתו. Fuchs, Menucha Vesimcha. Jesse Green before that, brand new from Yiddish Nachas, volume number two. Baruch Levine, brand new with Yom Zeli Yisrael off of Banim Atem here at JM and the AM. Hey, I want to take this opportunity to wish a Mazel Tov to the Silber and Beerbrier families. Uh, Cookie Silber and Nathan Beerbrier getting married this coming Sunday, Bezrat Hashem, in Brooklyn, New York. And with that in mind, I... Uh, Give an extra special mazel tov to Mr. and Mrs. Chaim Silber. That's right. Lobo and the entire Universal Lobo organization. <laughs> Not sure which word to use to describe this type. Universal, intergalactic, international. Um, and, of course, to a Dr. And Mrs. David Beerbrier, 
Mazal Tov as well from all of us here at JM in the AM. So Cookie and Nathan getting married Sunday, Bezrat Hashem, and again uh, to um, Lobos and the entire family and the entire Silber Mishpacha. Mr. and Mrs. Chaim Silber and Dr. and Mrs. David Beerbrier, a very special Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. There you go. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayakel, also Shabbos Shkalim, candle lighting at 531, so two Torahs tomorrow. Well, Ben Shoshchodesh Adar Bet, Shoshchodesh Adar Bet will be next Thursday and Friday during days four and five of our fundraising marathon 2016, which begins on Monday morning, and I thank everybody out there who's already responded generously. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Malcolm Holine is with us, and um, we are not 100% sure if Malcolm will be in studio with us next week. It's possible he will. If not, we'll certainly hear from him um, during our fundraiser um, on Friday morning. So he'll also help us encourage people to keep us going for yet another year here at JM&A. And big thank you to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. OnlySimchas.com has uh, really expanded way beyond just Smachot. They are now uh, featuring amazing news stories in their news feed from around the Jewish world. And a lot of our content makes its way into there on a daily basis. And I thank them for that. Go to OnlySimchas.com and check out. The uh, incredible brand new news feed that they have. A lot of people are hooked into it already. Or hooked on it, I should say. And a big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to uh, enthusiastically recommend our live stream, our access 24 hours a day via the Internet and our app to their uh, readers. And if you want to print out, I don't know, about a 1,000 or more articles having to do with Israel uh, and the Jewish world before Shabbos, you go to JewishWorldReview.com and you can do just that and you will be very busy both before and during Shabbos. Uh, with uh, a lot of news stories, that's for sure. So check that out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you as you get into shape for the big tournament next week. Yeah, tournament is right. Uh, Tournament of fundraising. March Madness, as we call it, Mr. Honline. And the rest of the year. What is that in the background? You have a phone that's uh, you have a phone that's going off, a doorbell that's not working, a smoke alarm that's flo- that's low on battery. What's happening? We were wondering. It ain't here. We were. It's not over there. Nope. I wonder if it's here and I don't realize it. Hmm, we could spend the next half hour on this topic. Hey, you know, uh, you know how I alarms going off all over the world, but not here. Yeah, a lot of alarms going off all over the world. Uh, you know, as I'm reading these articles about the BDS movement and how it's continuing to escalate in places like England and other areas of Europe, and obviously we know what's doing as we discuss it each week in other areas as well. You know, it's interesting, I, um, and you may have heard this already, this term, but one of the um, members of the Israeli government this week, and here's how you know the BDS is really making it as a movement, because one of the members of government this week in Israel referred to them as the BDS Nikim. <laughs> I'm not kidding, I heard, I heard it on an Israeli newscast. On an Israeli news, and I said, boy, oh boy, if they're now known as BDS Nikim, They've come a long way. This is a really serious movement. And it's it's also funny because as I'm reading the article today, and I'm sure you, you, you know what I'm referring to in terms of the uh, European activity of, um, regarding BDS. Somehow, and, and, and you must get the same feeling, somehow it must indicate to you that we, we are making amazing progress if the opposition, if the propaganda from the other side is as strong as it is. You know what I mean by that? I do. And I do think that it's, uh, BDS is an act of desperation on their part, where they are trying to mobilize public opinion uh, against Israel. 
but one must remember that BDS at its core is anti-Semitism, that it's discriminatory uh, uh, and focus on one country, setting a standard they set for no other. It's not even a higher standard. It's a triple standard. It's uh, making demands of Israel and, and lying, distorting, misrepresenting, and trying to use economic and other leverage, political leverage. But the economic impact is very minimal. It doesn't really make a difference in Israel's GDP, gross domestic product. What, what, uh, it's a growth rate of its economy every year, but it does have a political and psychological impact, and it becomes a rallying call on campuses where you have groups like the Students for Justice in Palestine, others who receive funding from foreign sources who get all sorts of assistance, according to reports, um, and have uh, mobilized behind this uh, campaign. But it's essentially the delegitimization of Israel. That's the goal. It's not the, the uh, fact that they will boycott a particular or try to target particular businesses. Uh, you see that in Europe there's already a backlash where the Paris City Council adopted a resolution and the, the government of England has imposed strict rules against companies engaging in a boycott of Israel. The president signed legislation passed by Congress, uh, and although there was, it was, his statement at the time was controversial where he seems to uh, separate the, what the legislation says about including the Judean Samaria from being protected, but it uh, passed overwhelmingly in the Congress. So there is a backlash. We see it on campuses uh, around the country where there uh, there's increased mobilization, increased focus. But BDS is is uh, is the symptom. BDS is not the disease, and it, you know it's important. And we have to focus on it, but we have to look at what is at the core of it. What is really motivating? these people to, to engage in this campaign. And so they try to use economic warfare just as they use military warfare and political warfare against, uh, against Israel, isolated, trying to isolate it, when in fact you see that Israel is being approached by more and more countries and the yeah. attempts to isolate it are certainly not working. When, when Arab workers speak out and go to the press to express... Uh, how uh, unfortunate it is that certain Israeli companies either had to move or you know were encouraged to close down or adjust things because of you know, uh, it, it, you, know you know what I'm referring to the Soda yep. Stream case when they when they go to the press are they then vilified by their community are they are they criticized by their neighbors because they went and expressed how much they want these Israeli companies to continue operating so they could have jobs. There are extreme elements who criticize the people who work in uh, settlements or in West Bank uh, businesses, uh, that, but there are uh, probably 20,000 Palestinians or more who work directly, and total maybe 200,000 who are involved in supply, support, secondary, tertiary, impact families from those who work in, in these areas, and they are the victims of BDS, the first and foremost victims, because when these businesses closed down, like SodaStream moved its factory, uh, the Israelis can work in the, in the new place. The Palestinians who were getting work permits, and I think it's a little unfair, the criticism of the government that they, because I was involved in discussions between them while I was in Israel, uh, over these 74 workers who were given uh, repeated extensions uh, by the government to enable them to continue working, but they want people in the Negev, Druze, Arabs, Israelis, to be hired, uh, and that was part of the... Uh, agreement in the, in the rebuilding of the facility, uh, the, the SodaStream was very committed to having uh, multi, uh, a 
a workforce that was representative of all the populations. And I can tell you that a, a mayor of a big uh, Arab town in, in uh, called me uh, in the PA area, and he started screaming to me, at me about BDS and said, you have to stop it, you have to stop it. I said, you stop it. You have more of a save. You come out and say it. We constantly are fighting it. And he said, you don't understand. I have 200 people who work at SodaStream. They make $2,000 a month or more, and equivalent to what the Israelis make. And he said, they will come back here. They lose their health care. They lose everything. And if they're lucky, if they make $200 a month, they'll turn to terrorism, and we will pay the price. And and people don't think so that the... The people who are engaging this are not doing it because they want to improve the pa- the, the uh, plight of Palestinians and under the guise that they, they operate. This is purely anti-Israel, and it is core anti-Semitic. Yeah. Uh, did you notice the uh, most recent poll about American support for Israel? With all this, with the BDS and everything we're discussing the first few minutes here, you notice the numbers this week in terms of American support for Israel? I did, and I think it's a, a, a very important um it's a, it's but it's one of a series of studies that have come out i think that one showed uh, well over 50% with israel and under 20% with the palestinians and this um uh despite all the campaigns and everything um i think 62% uh, uh, were more pro israel and 15% uh, uh were pro palestinian and even amongst democrats Whereas 10 years ago it was 41%, today it's 53%. And among young, it was 50% um, then, and now it's 54%. So while we do have big challenges and we can't take for granted, and there is a growing apathy, there's a general indifference to international affairs, including to Israel, the bottom line is that Israel retains the support of the American people, and that's why I say it's not dependent upon you know, individuals and the chemistry of individuals, while that's always important, it's not dependent uh, just on how the media treats Israel, because the American people fundamentally see through it, and they support Israel because of the fundamental values we share, the interests we share, and it is is quite remarkable, given the hostile press that, you know, we've seen grow over the, and especially in the mainstream press, over the last uh, 10 years. If similar questions are asked in Europe and uh, asked to the same groups that you just mentioned, uh, you know, youth, etc., where are those numbers? Around where? You just gave us great numbers in terms of U.S. support. How much, how, how much further down, how much closer to zero would it be if, uh, if we're in France or in England and doing the same type of poll? Well, in Great Britain, it's more pro-Arab than pro-Palestinian than it is pro-Israel. Uh, and the numbers are probably in the 40s. Oh, I was thinking 30s, so it's still in the 40s. Maybe lower. It depends. Uh, so, you know, each country is different. There are countries where the pro-Israel numbers are even lower than, than that, less than a third. But the uh, but remember, they're, they're subjected to, to all one-sided nasty reports, and the, um, you know, the, the changing situation in Europe, I think, will result in, in a realization about, uh, the realization that Israel is the source of stability, not instability, and it may take time. But but I met with a group of European parliamentarians, and I have to say that uh, their views were as good as the members of Congress on on the issue. It, again, the vocal forces are are the ones that get the coverage and that uh, are portrayed. But the um, and and it's not comparable to America. But I have to tell you that we see in places in, in Africa and other places where the numbers of pro-Israel are going up. It's 
slow, it's small, but it's it's changing, and mostly amongst the governments. Uh, Boeing has been invited to talks with Iranian officials about modernizing Iran's aged commercial aircraft fleet, the country's transport minister said Thursday, in what could be a precursor to the biggest business arrangement with an American company after more than three decades of estrangement. Now, last week we discussed how... Um, you know, originally we thought there would be a lot of economic activity and a lot of business opportunities with Iran once the deal was a, was solidified. Uh, we discussed last week that things were not going as quickly as uh, as some may have thought. What are your thoughts about that topic now that you see about now that you see that Boeing will meet with Iranian officials? Everybody's meeting with uh, Iranian officials, but you have to look at the the how the banks have shied away because they understand the restrictions, the warnings they got that a violation by Iran would reimpose sanctions. Their fear that uh, Iran does not have full access to SWIFT and to the uh, international uh, currency markets, etc. So the, uh, it's, I think it's been much slower than a lot of them believe. Also, the influx of money, much of this money was, uh, a lot of it was designated for debt money owed in those countries and for p- future purchases in those countries. Uh, some of the money is still frozen. Uh, it doesn't move as quickly as we thought. It's enough. To make a difference, they claim that they got 100 billion. I think that that is a very dubious figure. Uh, but the but terrorism requires very small amounts of money, and the money doesn't go to the people. The money obviously goes to the hierarchy, the, uh, and the Ayatollah and the Iran Revolutionary Guard control 45 percent of the economy. So you can be sure the contracts that are coming in are gone to them first. The people complain, and, and in the election you saw that. Uh, that the that the benefits, the economic benefits, the windfall that they had thought would come, they don't see any sign of it, and they're putting more pressure on the government uh, for that, 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 that they supported the JCPOA because they thought it would bring uh, all sorts of, uh, of relief. relief. And, and by the way, the, the other countries too, Turkey is looking to profit from it, but all of a sudden they're seeing that they can't cash in the way that they thought. The uh, and Iran has many commitments in in its uh, in Syria, for instance. Even though they've diminished their their immediate presence, but they still support Hezbollah. They still have IRGC there, I believe, and the, the support for Hamas, the support for others, uh, other terrorist operations worldwide, uh, is a drain on the economy and not something that people uh, support. They also are fa- facing the fight, the internal fight against PKK, against others, YPG, as they call. It. And against the, and in Syria, so I think that for if you take country by country, you will see that the benefits may be more limited. They're talking about massive uh, arms deals with Russia, twenty billion dollars, ten billion dollars. We don't know what the real numbers are because a lot of this is is propaganda, and a lot of it is just um, being thrown out, but not, may not materialize. Just as you see the delivery of the S-300 still hasn't materialized the, the defense system that has been sold to Iran three, four, five times already. Uh, has Saudi Arabia essentially, at least the, the way the New York Times is reporting it, have they basically given up Lebanon to Iran at this point? Well, they pulled out of the support from the Lebanese army, uh, which was a, a couple billion dollars, and to the security about a billion dollars a year. In part, it's anger at Lebanon. It's anger about the internal situation where they're backing uh, away from moderate candidates and ones that Saudi Arabia back, but also because in the Arab League meetings, Lebanon did not back uh, Saudi Arabia. And uh, this has been a cumulative uh, 
uh, response to cumulative violations in their relationship, and the fear that also when you aid the Lebanese army, you're aiding Hezbollah, which is fighting Saudi's interests in Syria and many other places, especially Yemen. And uh, so I think it's a reflection of all of those concerns. What this will mean for the Lebanese army is unclear because it was a major source of their support. Wow. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. We welcome those who tuned in around the world. Remind you to everybody, we need your support starting next week for our big JMNAM WFMU fundraiser to keep us going for yet another year. The 2016 fundraiser starts Monday. Make sure to join us and at some point pledge your support and make this a very successful venture for us and for you, for everybody. If you like segments like the one we're doing now, uh, we have to make sure to keep this radio station going as uh, strongly as possible. Uh, We spoke about the Iranian elections last week. What could you tell us about the results? Well, uh, you remember that uh, I described what the process leading up to it, where they eliminated the vast majority of the real moderate candidates. Right. they often had to shift people who would normally be described as very conservative, very uh, uh, non-moderate, um, to the list because they had to fill the list. For instance, in, in, in uh, Tehran, you, you have 30 candidates, so you have to have a list of 30 people for them to vote for. And they have to write each name in by hand, by the way, so it can take a long time till they, till they uh, cast their ballots. But it is clear, still clear that there was an expression on the part of the people that they wanted to, they voted as moderate as they could. You had big areas in the rural areas where people didn't vote. That was a protest also, in part against the fact that the economic conditions and that they didn't see any of the money coming. It's a, it was a vote against the, the regime, the, the more extremes in the regime. But they will retain control. The election of uh, the Iran Assembly of Experts, for instance, it's a body that will determine, and is significant because the next, Ayatollah is chosen by them. There are uh, 86 or so members uh, of this body. It's a clerical body. And uh, so some of the conservative figures were removed, and a few reformers got in, but it's not going to make a difference. First of all, it hasn't met since 1989. Wow. That's the only time. And that was to choose the Supreme Leader, leader Ayatollah Khamenei, uh, after Khamenei's death, to choose uh, Khamenei. And... Uh, and it was essentially a rubber stamp. The decisions were made uh, uh, outside, and uh, many people feel that the Japoa has has empowered the Iran Revolutionary Guard more, and that they will get a lot of the uh, assets, and that will go into the next leadership fight, which is already underway. The elections in the parliament, again, many of those described as uh, as moderates are hardly that we see people who have been accused of murder uh, being elected you have uh, i don't think you can anticipate any major shift in um, in policy but where it could play out is in 2 years you have a presidential election uh, coming up and there it could make a this could be a precursor for uh, what could happen there yeah. But this is not, you know, the way that a lot of the people have been uh, describing it. Um, there is a, a sense of Iranian nationalism, according to many observers, that is, was enhanced by the deal. And this is essentially favorable to the, to the Iranian leadership 
and uh, that they got the upper hand in the dealings in the West, and that they, this will maybe empower an even more persistent anti-Western uh, outlook. But, you know, it's funny, because as I read more and more about the chicanery, about the um, fraudulent stuff that's going on with the Iranian election, and I mean, you've seen that also, right? Plenty of accusations sure. about fraud. I say to myself, why on earth <laughs> did they have to whittle down <laughs> the list of candidates if they're just going to fraudulently you know, go through the election anyway? Like, what's the difference? Who ends up being on the ballot? Why spend all that time getting rid of the quote-unquote moderates? Or are they just making a statement to the country by getting rid of some of those? Well, I think it's both. I think it is a statement, as you said, but I think it's much more than that. I think it is if, if many of those moderates had been allowed, the true moderates had been allowed to run, they would have been elected, and in many of the areas, uh, the protest against their elimination uh, was expressed by not voting, and in uh, other places, they voted for the most uh, moderate person they could find on the list. It wasn't easy uh, to find them, but they, that, that uh, was, in fact, what they were, uh, the expression on the part of the people. Right. So it does make a difference. And many people just threw up their hands and said, listen, if they eliminate everybody we would want to vote for, what's the point? So it it, it re-enhances their their role, and uh, you know, people the people of Iran have to make decisions about how how they respond to it. Uh, is there really a ceasefire in Syria? There is something, and whether the Russians are continuing to bomb, we know, and the fight against ISIS continues. But there has been some, and the question is whether whether it will um, how it will be upheld. It's a, it is still to be tested. Um, you see that the, the uh, ISIS is continuing. They, they executed eight Dutch uh, fighters who were trying to leave. Um, interesting reports about whether the chief of military intelligence was killed in Lebanon. The Russian chief of military intelligence, who they say died of a heart attack in Moscow. Now there are reports he died really in Lebanon and that there are broader hostilities. But the, um, I think the agreement so far... It doesn't cover an op- the operations against uh, both IS and uh, uh, Jabhat al-Nusra. So th- under that guise, you can continue to fight. Uh, the Turks can continue to bomb and claim it's ISIS, but in fact, we believe they're going after the Kurdish, uh, uh, they say PKK and other Kurdish elements. Uh, it-, it is a test, and we'll have to see how it plays out. But... Um, uh, you know, a lot of people have the best interest wanting to see the, the violence uh, come down. The yeah. Russians are a key in this to see how they will comply. Including Israel? Israel would rather this be happening than the alternative? Israel wants stability. I mean, there is a big difference. You know, when we were in in Egypt, clearly uh, Sisi wants to see um, uh, Assad stay because he thinks that that will provide some stability, that a breakdown will just further enhance the chaos and the terrorism and everything else that will emanate from, from uh, Syria. The Turks, uh, Erdogan wants to see him out and wants to see some sort of, a, you know, some change. He hates them, and, they, um, and he doesn't see any benefit in, in retaining it. And within the country, there are really massive differences. There's talk of uh, interim and let him stay for a little while to find somebody else in the interim, have elections. There's talk of elections in April, which many others dismiss as ridiculous that the country is certainly not prepared and not ready to go to an election. <clears throat> so this is only a phase, and we're going to see a lot, of, a lot more violence and a lot more chaos before there's a solution. Why is there so much concern in the media, and it seems more than usual, about who's going to take over eventually from Ahmoud Abbas? 
because the question is, does it enshrine the Iran-Russian uh, Hezbollah role? Does it, who are now the dominant force, obviously, in, in retaining Assad in, in the key areas of Aleppo and Damascus? Uh, or do you have a real opportunity to, to have some sort of a true uh, election, more open? And does the country end up being a confederation? Does it end up being cantons, you know, where everybody just struggles? The Kurds have an area, the Alawites will have an area, that that, everybody will, will that, be divided up. That's on the future of Assad. Pardon me, it's on the future of, of Syria. Yeah, I, I asked you, um, if there seems to be a great interest this week in the media about who's going to take over for Mahmoud Abbas as head of the PA. And I was wondering if that was, uh... oh boy. It sounds like we had a little bit of a disconnect, a little miscommunication in more in more ways than one. Uh, we will try to reconnect with Malcolm Holmline, and uh, hopefully he'll join us in just a moment here at JM in the AM. Let's go to one of our selections from Yitzchak Fuchs, and we'll do more coming up at JM in the AM. <laughs> Yom Shabbaton, Yom Machmadim Shomra Vezokhav Hema Meidim Kileshish Akol Bruim Veomdim Shmei Shabayim Eretz J.M. in the A.M. It looks like we've reconnected with Malcolm Holmline. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I apologize. I don't know whose end it was on, but I that was pretty interesting. Um, welcome back, Malcolm. Thank you. So the media, it seems, this week has taken uh, a special interest in who eventually will take over as the head of the PA after Mahmoud Abbas. Any special reason why now there's so much interest in that topic? Because a lot of the speculations coming from within the PA, from within the, the Palestinian Authority, because of Abbas's age and people's noticing that he is slowing down, that he is not the same, and that he still resists any real negotiations, that um, uh, the frustration of the other Arab countries being expressed to them about their uh, failure to be responsive and to uh, deal with the kleptocracy, the stealing, the theft, and moving the situation ahead. And because you've had people now starting to talk out about it, I mean, he, he's 80 years old, and, you know, he talks about stepping down, and at some point, you know, either nature or he or something will decide, and so they're looking at it, and there's no natural successor. He did not want one. He doesn't have one. And, you know, there's talk that Khlan is now reemerging uh, as a potential candidate. There are people... Others, Saibarak uh, had others that people speculate about, but there's no clear successor. So it, it becomes, a, you know, a guessing game right now. I really wonder what Israel would prefer at this point, you know, and I guess it depends who's... I mean, well, there's a lot of concern in Israel that the PA will collapse, because then the burden falls on Israel, because they are legally in charge. Um, they would have to carry the burden for the, for the uh, Palestinian uh, Authority, uh, and um, and more than that, Israel um, is concerned about the succession. They don't want to see somebody more radical, or uh, they want to see stability to the degree that it's possible. And a breakdown of the law and uh, uh, and and any kind of security cooperation 
would be very bad. And as bad as the PA is in some areas, in the security areas, the fact is that they still cooperate, and there is more coordination than might appear. Yeah, you've always told us that, and uh, I mean, we've seen the evidence. You, know, you travel right. through, you travel through Israel. You see the li- <laughs> deliveries of different essentials going on and a lot of cooperation. Obviously, there's some security cooperation also. I don't know if that should be overplayed or not, but there's certainly um, uh, some cooperation when it comes to that. What, what do we learn from the fact that the cameras are being discouraged from being placed in the Temple Mount? Well, they're not being discouraged. It's about putting them near the mosques. This was originally an idea that the, the Jordanians and uh, Secretary Kerry and others came up this was supposed to put the lie to the charges, you know, that Al-Aqsa is under siege, Al-Aqsa is under fire, which has been Abbas's rallying call and which is a very, very dangerous thing. And I, as we told both President Sisi and, and President Erdogan, that that charge can ignite, ignite and change a political battle or even a territorial uh, dispute into a religious war which will engulf the whole region. There's nothing that brings people to the streets more. There's nothing that will excite it and behind uh, which uh, extremist elements uh, will rally and exploit. So the cameras were to be put up, A, they say to monitor, you know, what the Israelis are doing, but it's really to monitor what they're doing, and they don't want it. The Palestinians don't want it because they don't want the truth to get out. They don't want people to see. They don't want to see who desecrated the Temple Mount, that it wasn't Israel, it was they, and it was they who broke through and who did uh, all sorts of things there, uh, you know, excavating hundreds of tons uh, illegally. And uh, I met with archaeologists who claimed that it's still ongoing acti- there is still ongoing activity there. But it seems the compromise is that uh, they won't put the cameras in the mosques, and maybe not focused on the mosque, but focused on the public areas. It would be important to have it, but, um, you know, it's not going to change the fundamental situation. Are you glad to see that uh, many of the presidential candidates are now recognizing how Libya is, in fact, an ISIS stronghold at this point? Well, you know, you heard it here first. That's right. That's right. That's (laughs) right. Before anybody won. And when there were 1,000 ISIS, now there are 5,000. And now they act as if, uh, you know, it's obvious when they they address the crowd. That's part of what, as you know, drives me crazy, because I told you before. But, you know, when it came to Yemen, it came to all these circumstances, the really sad and tragic part is that it was all predictable, including Syria. And had we taken preemptive action, had they listened, had they um, acted then we would have avoided a lot of what we're dealing with now. And what we're facing again here, like we have the war in Yemen, that when there were a 1,000 or less of the ISIS in Sert, which is right on the coast of the Mediterranean, on the, border, uh, on the coastal border of Libya, will become a, a base of, of t- piracy. It will enable them to travel to Europe. It's 300 miles from Sarah to, to Crete, which is the, the outermost part of Europe, you know, the islands, uh, the Greek islands. And it, it, it threatens Egypt. Sisi, President Sisi spoke to us extensively about the, the growth and his frustration that the, you know, NATO and the West didn't react and still doesn't react. We see al-Qaeda again reforming in, in Libya. And he warned, he said, Libya will become the next Syria. They will go the same direction. And the absence of the West and, you know, debates, I guess, about Benghazi makes everybody gun-shy, but it can't, you can't ignore it. It's not a country. It's 147 tribes. It is a, a, a horrible political situation, a security situation, but we can't ignore it. And if, if, the, if we had taken action early on, in Sarah, 
we wouldn't be facing 5,000 guys, which makes it a much bigger enterprise in order to counter them. I read somewhere this week that the detainees are becoming a problem. There's so many ISIS detainees at this point that that's becoming a problem. It's a problem in some countries, and it uh, you know they they have to release some of them. It's a it's keeping the costs, and it's uh, uh, you know keeping them in contained, and also they become organizational bases that they train. They uh, you know we strengthen the infrastructure by having them all contained in these areas. Obviously, we have to arrest them and and try to isolate them. Yeah, what's funny is I didn't realize there was any success in getting any of them. Like, I didn't realize that... Uh... Well, I don't think the numbers are quite as big as that some people are trying to make it, but yes, they, they capture some, they kill a lot, and, uh, you know, it depends on which party it is. I know that some of the countries fighting there have told us that they take no prisoners because they know that these ISIS guys will come back eventually to their home countries carrying passports as they are citizens, and and will wreak havoc, and they you know make sure they meet their virgins, as one leader told me. Yeah. Uh, finally, the uh, poet in Iran who was blacklisted because of his lifestyle has uh, seeked asylum in Israel. Uh, what does it say about uh, about Israel being basically the only beacon of democracy in the Middle East and the only place anybody who's uh, at this point who's feeling persecuted can go to? It's um, it's just a, a very important reminder. It, it, you know, it, it shows that Israel is the only beacon of democracy in the region, mm. and and that it, and he's not the only one. Uh, I've met others who, who talk about wanting to get to Israel. Um, I mean, when we saw we saw things uh, both ways. One, we saw that Egyptian uh, MP member of Parliament who got expelled because he met with the Israeli ambassador. Although they say that it's not because of that; it's because of his errant behavior. This is one just one example. Uh, but on the other hand, that we saw the Gulf states designating Hezbollah as a terrorist organization, uh, and they imposed the uh, they had earlier imposed the, the Gulf Council Cooperation Council had imposed sanctions on them, but here they they designate them a terrorist organization, which makes Hezbollah crazy in the, in their response to it, and the. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, there were other changes that we we saw over the the period that the um, uh, about the uh, what's going on in the West Bank, what's going on in recruitment, what's going on on the borders, and the by the way, uh, question you asked me, I think you saw the answer that I, I uh, mentioned about the development of of uh, technology to deal with the tunnels from uh, Gaza into into Israel. And that they were successful in knocking out some, and there's a bill in the Knesset that's going to allocate money matched by the United States to develop further technologies. But clearly, they have something, and that's of uh, course save that that will end up saving a lot of IDF soldiers' lives. Absolutely, and and you know it's very high risk because if God forbid somebody is kidnapped, they have to go into these areas where yeah. they don't know. And I hope that the visit of uh, Vice President Biden will advance the negotiations on the Memo of Understanding, the ten-year next 10 years of aid um, agreement between the United States and Israel. Why does it seem like that's an issue every couple of years? It's only every 10 years? It's every 10 years, but the negotiations takes about two years before the 10 years mm-hmm. start in 2017. But I think it would be much better if they make a deal now. Some people say you should wait to the next president. I don't believe that that's smart. I think it's it, you got to lock it in, get the deal. There's a new president until they get organized, till everything is in place, till Congress is ready to move. To so, take, he, uh, so he goes to time. Israel to negotiate that? I said, I, I hope that that will be the issue, and 
you know, he is friend and he, he has a good relationship. with You're encouraging him to make that the issue. I, I am hopeful that that will be the issue to that it will be able to be resolved, that we will be able to advance it so that the deal, I mean, there are, are ongoing negotiations. Right. My, qu- my, qu- my question different. was, is that why he's going? That was my question. That's a better question. That's a good question. And I don't know that that is the sole purpose. Uh, he hasn't been there in a while, and uh, he feels very close to Israel. So I think this is, you know, a combination of things. Uh, but I hope that the, he's there to try and advance the MOU. I think negotiations toward two two state solution, if that's the agenda, is not going to go very far. They may talk about some specific steps that can be taken and cooperation between the United States and Israel in addressing some of the security issues in the region. Uh, I think would be also very important. Um... You're a political scientist. What does one do when they're endorsed by David Duke? You don't wait three minutes to disavow it. Uh, and, and and any racist, any bigot, anybody, I, I think that, uh, you, you know, when you delay and all of that, it becomes then a subject of controversy and discussion. Uh, political leaders have to make clear statements about, uh, about groups like that. Right. Well, we're getting closer and closer to the election. We're now in March. And everything becomes then a subject of debate and, and yeah. uh, often hostility this, this time. Uh, but it's, it's, we, we can't have any obfuscation about whether what Duke is, what the Klan is, what any of these groups. We have to show that the, I mean, the American public isolates them, and that's all the candidates. And they should disavow any racist or bigoted uh, people who back them so that it's clear that they will not have an influence, they will not have a role, and that they... You know that these are abhorrent views, as mm-hmm. I think all the candidates have stated. Right. I thought you were going to say, as as all the candidates have demonstrated, <laughs> that, they, that they all have abhorrent views. Some some yeah. of them have abhorrent styles, and we've seen things that we've never seen before. But hey, America's going for it, so you know I would bet the debate ratings of the last couple of debates have been through the roof. I would assume, but it is amazing in that the new voters have come out of many other things. But at the same time, we're not seeing the kind of substantive debate. Oh, not even core close. issues. At a time when America needs to see it, and probably once we get down to two candidates, they will focus I more hope. on the issues and less on personalities. Yeah, I hope you're right. I don't know. Right. Next week, Fundraising Marathon 2016. We will speak with you, uh, Bezrat Hashem, then. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank Good you for joining Shabbos. us. So Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update. I don't know what happened there in the middle. Got disconnected, but I apologize for that, and I'm glad we were able to reconnect. Candle lighting 531 on this era of Shabbos Parshas by Yakel, Parshas Shkullam as well. Uh, Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet will be Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday, Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. Um, a couple of reminders before we get to Rabbi Yudin. The Mothers of Multiple Support Group meets at Maimonides Hall this coming Tuesday night, March the 8th, starting at 8 p.m., Maimonides Medical Center in the Shea Cares brings that to you. It's a speech and language tips to the already busy mom. Speech therapist Rifka Alfie, who's also a makeup artist, is going to be presenting. There'll be makeup available for sale, light buffet, dinner, free parking, free gift for all attendees. Information at 718. Oh, no, information by uh, emailing Amati Atlas, M-A-T-T-I dot Atlas at Yahoo.com, M A. TTI.atlas at yahoo.com. Pesach without the pressure. Beaker Cholem Chesed organization presents the organizing doc, Dr. Ronit Zweig, for an extraordinary women's event, learning how to organize your home and putting Seder 
in your Seder. Overcome procrastination, learn time management, establish priorities, and reduce stress. This is happening Monday night starting at 7.30 p.m. at the Borough Park Center at 4915 10th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, 718-438-2020, 718-438-2020 for information on that. And um want to take this opportunity to wish a mazel tov to Mark and Eliana Paleoff. Mark and Eliana Paleoff are brand new parents of a brand new baby girl, Adina Bracha Paleoff, and the grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. Arthur Paleoff. So we say mazel tov to Mr. P and the entire family. And, um, and uh, that comes from all of us here at JM in the AM. Um, before we get to Rabbi Yudin, I, I wanted to mention that, um, our, our dear friend and the person responsible for bringing me to this radio station, Mr. Norman Lester, is quite ill, unfortunately. His name is Nachum Ben Mindel, Nachum Ben Mindel. And of course, we ask everybody to pray for his speedy recovery, Nachum Ben Mindel. And there are a, um, there are, there are people who, um, who would like to visit his parents' resting place. And at this point, because of the circumstances, we are unsure where that is. So there could be somebody in this audience who remembers years and years ago, the late Minna and A. Blaster. If you know where their uh, final resting place is in New Jersey, we know it's in New Jersey and most likely in Hudson County, um, that would be very helpful to us, and we'd greatly appreciate it. Just contact us by email, nachum at wfmu.org, nachum, N-A-C-H-U-M, at WFMU.org. And a reminder, Fundraising Marathon 2016 kicks off at 6 a.m. on Monday morning. We will be uh, we'll be with you starting uh, the 10-day Fundraising Marathon on Monday. And I thank those of you who have already responded. Please make sure to uh, support us, keep us going, make this a successful Fundraising Marathon for us. Again, it all begins on Monday, and we look forward to bringing you all of the programming, the community-minded unifying programming of the fundraising marathon. Uh, this time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi, Benj- Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Today, both Parshas Vayakel and Parsha Shkolim. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayakel. And... This week, this Shabbos, we take out not one, but two Sifrei Torah, as I will explain in a moment. According to the Sefer HaChinuch, there is but one mitzvah in Parshas Vayakel. It is a restrictive mitzvah, and that is based upon the verse at the end of the first paragraph, Lo Savaru Eish, B'chol Moshvoseichem, B'yom HaShabbos, that one is not to literally light a fire in their inhabitants on the Shabbos, the Gemara learns out that the Bezdin, the Jewish court of law, did not execute on the Shabbos, and from here filtered down that the court did not meet on Shabbos. Interestingly, I can't go into it now, but this is the verse as well that we use against the Karaites 
who believed only in one Torah. And they said that this is to be understood, this verse, that Shabbos, man was to be in the dark, and man was to have cold food. We, Bedavka, we specifically eat chamin, hot food on Shabbos, chalent, in order to show our belief in not just the written law, but the oral law. And on Shabbos, one is not permitted to light a fire. But if the fire is lit from before Shabbos, one can have hot food on the Shabbos. The Shabbos is the first of the Arba Parshios, the first of the four special Parshios that to precede the holiday of Purim and then to follow the holiday of Purim. The Shabbos is that of Parshas Shkalim, whereby we read from the beginning of Parshas Kisisa. We read of the mitzvah of Machzis HaShekel, that the Jew was to bring annually a half shekel, minimum of a half a shekel, to the Beis HaMikdash for the purpose of funding the Korbanos Tzibur, the communal offerings, the daily Korban Tamid, the Korban which was brought every morning and every afternoon without failure, including Shabbos Yom Tov. So this was funded by the community, as well as Korbanos Musaf, the additional Korbanos, in addition to the Korban Tamid. Every Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and Yom Tov, this was funded by the Tzibor, by the community, through the Machzis HaShekel. Now, interestingly, the Torah tells us in describing the mitzvah of Machzis HaShekel that it is being brought for l'chaper al nafsho seichem, literally, to atone for your souls. Now, the rabbis tell us that the Karbanos Tzibur, part of initially the Mishkan, the sanctuary that they constructed in the desert, and later on the Beis HaMikdash. So this is an atonement for the sin of the golden calf. Now, interestingly, the Torah does not say that the monies and the korbanos are l'chaper aleichem to atone for you in a more general sense, but it does say l'chaper al nafsho seichem. This is chapter 30, verse 15. Now, literally, to atone for your souls. Why this expression? And I'd like to suggest the following, that regarding 
man and his ability, unfortunately, to sin, he can sin in one of two ways. Either he sins by his actions, he eats that which he should not eat, that which the Torah has prohibited from doing. That is a sin of commission. And there is also, as well, a sin of omission, whereby the individual did not do sufficiently what they were to do. And so, in regard the korban, excuse me, in regard to the sin of the Egel Hazav, the golden calf, so the Torah told us in last week's parsha that 3,000 actually actively worshipped the Egel. 3,000 out of 600,000 is one half of 1%. 597,000 did not worship the Egel. What does that mean? They did not worship. They did not actively worship the Egel. However, they did not protest. And unfortunately, there was this kind of approval for what the Jewish people were doing wrong. Hence, it was not a sin which they did with their bodies. It was a sin which was done with their soul. It was a situation whereby, unfortunately, they were passive in a situation where they should have been active. Similarly, we find in Parshas Vayakil, where the Torah tells us of how the Mishkan was contributed by the various members of the Jewish community. So the Torah tells us that the men brought, the women brought, and this was, if I might say, a fundraiser's dream, whereby the people brought sufficiently to the extent that Moshe had to say, die, we have enough. Now, interestingly, regarding the bringing of the gifts for the Mishkan, the Torah teaches us that the Nesim, literally the princes, brought the Avne Shoham and the Avne Miluim. They brought the precious stones that were needed for the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol. Now, the interesting thing about how the Torah describes the gift of the Nesim is that the Torah spells the term Nesim, the princes, in chapter 35, verse 27, Chaser. The Torah spells the term Nesim, princes, without any Yud. 
And Rashi tells us why. The princes, the head of each of the tribes, took a laid-back attitude when it came to contributing to the sanctuary, to the Mishkan. They said, let the people bring, and whatever is missing, we will fill in the gap. Now, once again, that might be a fundraiser's dream. However, this was not looked upon in a very positive way by Hashem. Rather than saying, we'll fill in, they are brought to task for not taking the initiative. Here, too, their sin was that they were passive. Hence, Rashi tells us that when it came time for the celebration of the dedication of the sanctuary, the Nisim were there immediately to celebrate and to bring forth their offerings on each day to celebrate and to mark that very special occasion of the completion of the sanctuary. So both the sin of the Egel, the golden calf, as well as the Nesim, commit the wrong of passivity. They did not take the initiative when they could have and should have. The antidote and the opposite of this Mida of Atzlus, this Mida of, unfortunately, not living up to your responsibility, is Zerizus, is a sense of alacrity, which is the lesson that one has to learn to read between the lines of both Parshas Shkolim as well as the Parsha of Vayakel. Now, the Maharal Miprat, in his Sefer, the Nesivos Olam, in the part Nesiv Hazrizus, where he talks about this Midah, this characteristic of the individual taking the initiative talks about the nature of man. And this is found as well in the the Silas Yishorim chapter 6 where he talks about Zerizus. And he notes that the nature of man is, and I quote, Koveid Ma'od, Ki Afriyus Hechomrios Gas. The nature of man is that his physical body literally keeps him down, and of the four elements that there are, there is Mayim Esh, there is water, fire, Ruach, literally wind, and Afar, and earth, and man is Afar, Mino Adama, man comes from the earth, this literally weighs him down. Man by nature procrastinates, man by nature is lazy. And so, to fight that, man has to draw from his soul. Man has to draw from that Neshama, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given him the 
excitement, the encouragement to move him and to literally, it should be the mind over matter, mind over the body. So if the body would be more naturally to take its sweet time and not necessarily do its actions in a form of excitement and hurriedness, etc. The Mida of Zerizus is just that. And therefore, we learn a very powerful concept of Zerizin Magdimin Lemitzvos. I'll never forget, I was at a funeral years ago, and a son eulogized his father. And you know what he said? His father never came on time to davening. His father always came a few minutes early so that he was there and able to focus what he was about to do, etc. And his father would say to his son, if you're on time for davening, you're already late. This is just that very positive approach called Zerizus. Zerizus means that we are to not necessarily to respond, but to take the initiative. So what does that mean? It means if a new karma comes into shul, go over to him, make him feel welcome, literally provide for that person, call a shut-in, someone who unfortunately is not able to leave their home, just they're getting their phone call from you, just you're visiting them. This is being so special. And what's true in this regard is equally true with Shkalim. The Talmud teaches us, in the name of Rosh Lakish, that Haman, in chapter 3, is not only asking Achashverosh to destroy the Jews, but he says that I will pay for them. Eshkol, I'll pay for the destruction of the Jews. And God says to Haman, too late Haman, the shkolim of the Jewish people, the fact that the Jewish people have been proactive and giving the shkolim every year, their shkolim has preceded yours. And this is what saved the Jewish people. A very important lesson is to be learned from Pasha Shkolim, from Pasha Svayakel, and that is that by nature, Leich el Namala Otseil, man is lazy, says the wise King Solomon. But look into nature, look even at the tiny ant. The tiny ant, we're told, consumes. But a chita umachza, one little kernel and a half throughout its life. But it collects so much. Why? More. Because it says, maybe God is going to give me a richas yomim. It'll extend my life beyond that of my father and grandfather, the ant. And so too, we are to take that initiative and to approach mitzvos as we come into the season of Adar and Purim, the season of mitzvos before Pesach, to do so with Zrizos, with excitement, enthusiasm, and appreciation for being a Jew. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Friday morning, hour of Shabbos. It's Ari Goldwag in Menucha Vesimcha. Candle lighting at 531 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayakel. It's also Erev Shabbos Shkullin here at JM in the AM. Fundraising Marathon 2016. 2016 begins on Monday morning. Can you imagine? That is hard to believe. I'll tell you how much. We'll gather together starting Monday. We ask everybody out there. Oh, and by the way, there are a couple of rabbis in the community who have... Uh, who have um, utilized their communication with their congregation over the last couple of days, newsletters, etc., to encourage their congregants to support us here at JMNAM. I cannot thank you enough for that. I cannot thank you enough for that. Thank you very, very much to all the community leaders that have done that. Much appreciated. Hey, coming up at 9 o'clock on jmnam.org and on the NSN app, you've got the... Uh, Amazing Naomi Nachman. She'll have Table for Two featuring Tamar Genger, executive editor of joyofkosher.com, Yassi Mutterpearl of Southside Sandwich Shop, and the restaurant guy, Elon Kornblum. They're all going to be on between 9 and 10. The video's up at nachomsegel.com. The audio, of course, on jmnam.org and on the NSN app. So you'll be able to uh, enjoy all that. And then the uh, Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix. That'll happen all the way until candle lighting time. And then um, keep in mind tomorrow night, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull beginning at 9 o'clock to kick off our post-Shabbos programming. Matis has JM Sunday, Sunday morning between 7 and 9. We're going to shuffle our schedule a bit on Sunday, and we'll preempt everything starting at 11 a.m. from the uh, Nefesh Benefesh NBN Mega Event. That's right, the Nefesh Benefesh NBN Mega Event. We will be there... um, this coming Sunday between 11 and 2, many special guests, and um, it should be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. We always have uh, a good time at the mega event, and I'm sure this coming Sunday will be just as good as our previous visits, if not better. So tune in, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, this coming Sunday for the webcast from Nefesh Benefesh. The NBN Mega Event. Candle lighting at 531 on this extra special era of Shabbos. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Israel and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up another amazing week for us here at JM and the AM. Don't forget, Monday morning, Fundraising Marathon 2016 begins. Make sure to join us and give generously. Plenty of details about it starting Monday at 6 a.m. here at JM and the AM. Naomi Nachman is next. She'll start table for two on jmtheam.org right away, right after JM and the AM. Then the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candlelighting time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. On Sunday, it's JM Sunday with Matis starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Then, of course, we'll be at the NBN Nefesh Benefesh Mega Event starting at 11 a.m. Webcasting from there, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to join us. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Until Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.